1: It's that time of year again. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid, while the top seeds, of course, the St. Bonaventure Bonnies are Hell preparing yeah. for what they hope is a long run. And DraftKings is giving all customers a free shot at up to $100,000. You heard that right. In total prizes. All you have to do is head to the DraftKings app and make your picks.
2: Download the DraftKings app. Head to their free-to-play pools page and enter DraftKings' free $100,000 tournament seating pool. Free-to-play pools are easy to play as well. All you have to do is make your picks for who you think will get a ticket in a March's biggest tournament. If you have the most answers correct, you win. The bank is open. Easy. Plus. Don't forget about golf's fifth major this weekend taking place in Florida where DraftKings will have even more money up for grabs. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And you know those stimulus checks are hitting soon for our American listeners, and you're probably getting one. So go ahead, blow all that money on the St. Bonaventure Bonnies making the final four, <laughs> or uh, see them number one, whatever you want to do.
1: However, whatever is the best way to go about it, of course. Well, download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes with DraftKings Tournament Seating Pool. That is promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan.
2: And I'm warning you to evacuate the state of Louisiana right now. The storm is coming, and it's not like anything else you've ever seen before or heard before. It's all coming for you, whether you're at the sea level, ground level, or sky level. Get out now while the getting's good. The St. Bonaventure's are coming for you, and it's not going to be pretty.
1: The number one seeded St. Bonaventure Bonnies. absolutely crushing the competition in the A-10, winning that championship. Congratulations to you, Taylor, and also congratulations, too, to our guests that we have on today. We're excited to welcome a uh, friend of the pod, Chris Graham. Chris,
0: welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brendan. Longtime listener, first-time Bonnie to uh, enjoy this, uh, I don't know, little sabers uh, Bonnie's mix that we'll do tonight, but uh, happy to be here
1: very nice and you can find chris on twitter at cwgram 17 uh taylor i don't know if you knew this or not i didn't text you and tell you but we actually are both kind of winners today because along with your saint bonaventure bonnies clinching their birth into the ncaa tournament my the strokes won grammy for best rock album today oh holy shit yeah, the Strokes new album, the new Abnormal won best rock album at the Grammys. I'm real fucking pumped. And uh, so it's a pretty, pretty good Sunday today for us both. First of all,
2: actually, it's incredible. I feel like this is the best of both worlds. Second, the Grammys already happened i did not realize that
1: they do like the earlier stuff there was like the pre-show thing that uh janae i co-hosted and so that did all of like the other categories that don't go on like the big televised event and the strokes like best rock album and all of like those bigger ones were saved for like the last part of that before like the actual like red carpet stuff started so yeah it was about uh, an hour or two or a couple hours ago that uh it was announced yeah strokes First ever Grammy nomination somehow in their, in their first win. So pretty hyped. But with that being said, speaking of the antithesis of winning uh, the Sabres have lost 10 in a row, Ralph Kruger again, somehow remains to be employed as more and more reports come out about Bruce Boudreaux being into the idea of, of coaching the Sabres. So it makes the the lack of firing that is yet to occur all the more puzzling, but we uh, Well, Taylor, you had a, a bit of an interesting idea for today's episode. So why don't you talk about what uh, you're thinking we discussed today?
2: I was thinking we're talking about winning, which... it's. I a, know
1: nothing a, of this.
2: Yeah, such a foreign <laughs> concept. Uh, so I, I know the lead in was for which my real quick response is, do that. My real, real quick uh, brain response is, they won't. So no way around that one, I guess. Uh, so... If you are a person listening to our show, you may or may not have heard the same bottom at your bodies. And I'm a big fan of them, it just so happens. And they won today, they won the A-10 tournament, they're going to the NCAA basketball tournament, which is huge. Obviously, if you've heard of the NCAA basketball tournament, you probably heard our show, vice versa. We're having a great time, all that shit. It's not, it's not exactly what I'm trying to talk about. What I'm thinking about in terms of the Sabres is, Remember when there used to be something we are celebrating? And can you get it back? I think that's an interesting question. Because we, I think, at a high percentage, are mostly Bills fans.
1: And when you say we, do you mean like Buffalo or?
2: People listen to this podcast. Okay. And I think a lot of us, such people like brought over from Merck's Reviews, we're over the Bills. A lot of us were. Yeah. We loved the Bills. We were like, well, those guys are fucking idiots. They drafted Josh Allen. The guy's a moron.
1: <laughs> yep. yep. Pretty sure you can probably not- find a Rixman Views episode where we literally say those exact words.
2: Yep. <laughs> anyway, now, go on. So the darkest night was the 2018 NFL draft. or Sorry, 2017 NFL draft. And, or oh, 2018, wasn't it? I'm sorry.
1: To, to what draft word. are you referring to? The Josh, Josh draft? Jones, yeah, that's 2018. Yeah, 18. 17 yeah. was a great draft.
2: 17 was also when they traded away from the homes.
1: That part sucked, but the players that they ended up taking were great. So And
2: 2017 offseason, I think, was the darkest moment for Bills fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was very much like, when is this ever going to get better? Mm-hmm and it seemed like it was never going to happen, and then it just did. I'm not even joking. It happened, in my mind, all of a sudden.
1: It it was very fast.
2: As in, it happened on one pass play. Because it did. It happened on one pass play. Mm -hmm. That really happened. But, the reason that can't happen right now is because it's more than, one pass, more than one pass play away from this shit going, going well. Yeah. I feel like it's an, it's a disaster at a level that I can't uh, deal with or comprehend. So I, I honestly go Bounties. Brendan, what do you have?
1: Well, I think you bring up a really interesting point with that, with just like getting to this concept of just the general feeling of winning and, and being able to experience that. And I think that the Bills – Example is particularly interesting because you referenced the 2017 draft and Mm. at the time we all thought that that was like you know some people thought catastrophic because there were a lot of people who wanted them to take Mahomes or Watson um, and trading out of that pick giving it to Kansas City picking up the extra next year then the other side of that were the people who were like well next year's quarterback class is super top heavy and so it's going to be great we'll be fine let's just pick one then The thing is, though, is like for as bad as the 2017 offseason was, we didn't realize it at the time. But the 2017 draft for the Bills, we could probably say right now, aside from maybe like picking Josh, like that is maybe the most consequential draft that the Bills have had in a while because it netted us Trey White, Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano, three, not putting it lightly, like three guys who are like the cornerstone of your team. We didn't realize that at the time, but the fact of the matter is, is when it comes to the Sabres, I'm looking forward to having that moment where we don't realize that, you know, the, the gears are turning in the background and that it's actually building towards like the good thing happening because we've felt like that's happened probably like four or five times over the past 10 years. And every time we just fall flat on our face. So like I'm looking forward to when we can actually get to a point when, Stuff like that actually is happening, and it's the the behind-the-scenes stuff, early grunt work that leads to the eventual like success that we're kind of aiming for. I don't know. Chris, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, w- I would think that's the same way, but I think because of the way the hockey draft is set up, you have to kind of wait for that over multiple years where the NFL obviously is set up where you can kind of get those returns in one single season. So it's tough to push – Patience on a franchise that has been waiting a decade, essentially, to to, to have some sort of uh, fortitude and, and and goodwill come their way. Uh, but yeah, I I think that's I think that's what they're going for is just get a couple of players, have them all come in at the same time, have something all work out. But but I think to what we were kind of talking about, you know, not just us coming on with the Bonnies with with Mark Schmidt who kind of created a culture, but also Sean McDermott who we were talking about earlier creating a culture. That's what the Sabres need. And I know a lot of people buy into that of just being a buzzword, but that's what they need. They need somebody that's going to instill some sort of idea in this franchise that says, yes, this is the way we're going to go. This is how we're going to build. This is going to be the process that we're going to go through. And this is how we're going to get back to, to to winning ways. And I don't necessarily think they've had an individual that's kind of put that forward so far. And obviously, you know, going off of you guys and, and just, you know, seeing everything that's gone on in the in the last couple of months. Certainly Ralph Kruger's not that guy. Maybe Bruce Boudreau is. Uh we'll have to wait and see, you know, what what happens with that entire situation. But that's, I think, what the Sabres need. And and I think Buffalo fans would be more inclined to buy into that quote unquote process after seeing what McDermott did potentially with an NHL coach. It's just finding that right person that can instill that in the Sabres, which admittedly at this point seems you know, tough to, tough to buy into tough to believe, because I think you've been sold to uh, a fair amount of GMs, a fair amount of coaches uh, president of hockey operations and whatnot. So I, I understand the, 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 feeling of, of not buying in immediately, but we can't forget what the bills drought was as well. You know, we had to buy into a lot of false hope there. So you're, you're just hoping that one of these times the Pagoulas in their, in their search, Kevin Adams, whoever's involved in that can kind of strike gold kind of and obviously as the Pagoulas did, uh, with 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 and McDermott, as far as finding that person who can establish that culture, get this team on a winning way, uh, because they desperately need it, and this fan base desperately needs it. You could say that again. We we all need it pretty. Uh, I think we only got an hour here. I wouldn't want to restate the
1: entire thing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, Taylor, I mean, what do you make of that?
2: I so one of the things I'm thinking about all week. After we, after our last episode, is the financial situation and just the harrowing fact that if the bagulas decide the savers are worth owning but not worth losing money on, then all of a sudden the whole thing goes belly up. The savers all of a sudden are not, not even worth owning. I mean, at some point that might be changed for them, but like this, this short term, this short term period is them going, Yeah, we're, we're not losing money on these guys, uh, then this this is more than a disaster like this is this this is unprecedented because because what was going wrong was already unprecedented it was already really fucking bad so i i i i I showed her to think what could happen if that was actually the truth and if that is the truth uh, well
1: well do you feel like there do you feel like there is like a a reasonable path forward to get to this like culture of of winning that we're talking about because something that i think you and i have talked about a good amount taylor Mm -hmm. and i've recently even been like thinking about this more and more with the with the sabers just in the toilet more and more um but like the tank years and then the subsequent just them not being able to figure out how to like properly get out of that. I really do feel like it's kind of like broken my brain a little bit as like a Sabres fan, just in the way that like, I approach my fanhood. You know, I feel like after going through what we've gone through over the past like 10 years, I'm a different sports fan, like from back then than I am right now. And I find that, you know, we alluded to this uh, an episode or two ago that, you know, now I'm at this point where, like, with the Sabres, like, I want them to lose when I'm watching because I want Ralph to get fired. And I know that ultimately that is going to be the thing that's going to get us closer to that point faster. But then I also stop and think, like, man, are are sports really enjoy- for our enjoyment? Like, what is what is fun about this? About... <laughs> intentionally wanting my team that I root for that I've put 26 years of my life into just passionately rooting for that. I'm like, I need you to be terrible. Like,
0: so I guess what I'm getting at is like, is it possible for sports to be fun? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think especially too good because you just went through it. You know, I think the whole thing of, of doing a total breakdown and a rebuild is you do the breakdown, you do the rebuild and then it's like, okay, we get a couple of pieces together and then we're able to advance into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. Maybe have to chop and change a couple of pieces and get a little bit better. And their whole thing is, you know, for, for, for Sabres fans, I look at it and it's just like, I don't know what you're buying into when the start of the season goes. Do I want to buy into a rebuild? Do I want to buy into we change a piece here? We change a piece here? We get, you know, some some NHL level talent in you know a taylor hall obviously as we saw in this offseason okay now maybe are we going again is it is it back to the year where we had you know evander kane in his first year we get some nhl level talent with the rookies that we have piece them together you don't know you know it's been a full breakdown it's been a little bit of a a piece together and and seemingly they just can't find their way with either with either step Mm -hmm. of either going out spending money for nhl players or just breaking it down completely, having some rookies, giving those guys a shot. So it it really is, you know, as 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 you were saying, Leo, are the is is sports fun? <laughs> it, it's tough to say that because you don't necessarily know what the goal is. It could be fun, even if you guys are losing, to say, okay, we know what the goal is. We, you know, we're getting the number one pick, we're getting the number two pick, we're gonna get a quality player in here. But when you've seen that also not work in your favor, it's kind of like, well, why am I investing into this when I'm not sure? Necessarily, what's going on, or that we're going to get any return off this thing that we've already tried a couple of different times.
1: I think that's a really good point, too, because I think the unique thing about when the Sabres tanked for like the McDavid Eichel draft, like you said, there was a goal at the end of it that was not only just like built up like that year, but that was like the two years prior that we had heard McDavid and Eichel and that. Well, I should,
2: we should, we should, we should clarify real quick though. The Sabres did not tank for two years for Eichel.
1: They didn't, I mean, not specifically for two years, no. I mean, I know, what are you trying to say, that, like, McDavid was the end goal, or?
2: No, no, I'm just saying that the Sabres of the 2013-14 season trying to win.
1: Oh, no, I, well, I'm saying, though, like, we had known that Eichel and McDavid were going to be a thing for a while. Like, there was a couple of years that, that at least for me, like, I had heard about Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid, like, before the Eckblad-Reinhardt draft.
2: Like even, I'm I'm just saying that, not even trying. Like I'm just saying that there's a weird thing that Sabres fans say, and I guess I'll just stress it here: Sabres did not tank two years for Jack Eichel.
1: No, I'm not saying that's not what I was saying.
0: That that
2: and I and I would further say I know what you're saying. I know obviously some Sabres fans were were looking at those two. I would say that Eichel and McDavid weren't even on. Well, McDavid. Oh, forgive McDavid for a second. Jack Uckel was not in the Sabres draft right there in June of 30, 2013, which some people think to say. Some people think the Sabres threw away... Do people say that all the time? Mm-hmm. And occasionally, people like John Warrow and Mike Harrington like to agree with that Ah, them.
1: the cream of the crop of intellectual thought leaders.
2: Yeah. Uh, and Paul Hamilton. Paul Hamilton just recently said the year the Sabres were tanking for Sam Reinhart. That year... We're over that, that year. We're that never, the, not a real year. In 2013, summer of 2013, which is a late off season because it was coming off of a uh, lockout year. Saber save signed like Kevin Porter, Brian Flynn, other guys like that. You know what they didn't do? They go like you know who we like a lot, Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid. That's who we want to get. You know why? You know how I know that? Just just really confident and all that
1: what's that because
2: because when the sabers started poorly the next year they fired their coach and gm (laughs) that's just like one of my inklings of how the ownership wasn't down for that
1: Mm i don't know i don't know
2: guys i just think like you know it might be good to be honest about what happened
1: yeah and my point like i wasn't saying that to say that like it was a two-year thing it was yeah like I'm, i'm saying more like clarifying for people listening is that we had them in our minds for two years of like these guys that like eventually like that draft was going to happen. And so then we finally get there. Everybody knew going into that season. I mean, yeah, you were on either side of the aisle, but you knew ultimately what the objective was going to be. Whereas now when that happens, I I guess to an extent with like the Darlene draft, you could maybe say it wasn't as tough of a blow because again, he was touted as like a generational talent, but like, I hate having to, want them to lose because of getting a new coach or like for the sake of getting a new coach, because of the fact that it's like, there's no real like prize at the end of it. in the way that like Eichel and McDavid were, you know, like, like last season, like I wasn't thinking like, Oh, well, if they bought them out, then like, you know, this will be great. Like, I I don't know. I guess just like having that, like, reliance on like the top prospect that uh, like of each year. And especially I think this year, it really hurts too, because this is a pretty weak draft year. And so it's just like, the fatigue of having to do this over and over and over and over again is just exhausting and nauseating.
0: And at this point, you're, you're more cleaning out the fan service at this point. You know, everybody wants Kruger out of there. You know, everybody, no, no matter if you're pro-analytics, anti-analytics, I think everybody in this community can kind of come together and be like, this guy is not working out. Right. So that's your goal, as you were saying, to, 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 to get the guy out of there. But then after that, what are you looking forward to? It, it's still that it's still the same team. You have to try to find some way to get those pieces on the roster to work, right? Uh, at least for th- for this year, and and obviously for for future years as you're evaluating who wants to stay on, who who's not going to stay on. Uh, but 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 you're right. It's it, this is not something where you suddenly switch out Kruger for somebody and oh okay now it's a playoff team. Yeah, no, we're right. still you're still building to this is you know a broken roster and and where do you take it from from here going into uh 21 22?
1: and again your point too this is you had kind of mentioned it before with like whether you're going to try and like implode and blow it up or whether you think you're a couple pieces away and in reality even though we may not want to face it if they are going to decide that they want to blow it up like they shouldn't, I don't think, but like, if they're going to do that, this has to be the off season to do that because of everything that you have coming up. Like, again, we have to keep talking about it because of how important it's going to end up being But like the Darlene extension, the Reinhardt extension, what you're going to do with Olofsson a year from now, where things are going to stand with Jack. Are you going to bring Taylor Hall back? What are you going to do? Because you're going to have to pretty much completely retool your defensive core next season. Like the upcoming off season. I know we said this last off season, but like, this is, just critically important, because it's either you're gonna try and go back to square one and do this thing all over again, or you get the right coach in there and you actually do think that you're a couple pieces away and you don't have to completely blow it up, which I tend to think that it, it's the latter that you could just get in a couple of the whole like fill a couple of the holes, get the right coach in there, and then you're good. but to each their own, I guess.
2: I guess we're in a point where the 2016 bills were is that right?
1: Probably, yeah, yeah.
2: The difference was the 2016 bills were actually kind of good. Like they were, they ended up being seven and nine, but they probably should have been a seven. They should have been eight, and eight. They could have been nine and seven. They could have been ten and six. They could have made the playoffs. uh But we were at a point there where we were frustrated beyond belief. I think is a
1: it's Exhausting, it is.
2: It, and it, at that point, it was like even even throughout the 2017 season, it was like. Uh, they make the playoffs again. And the, the moves they made that offseason for the 2017 season were like, oh, okay. This is never happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think I think all of us I don't want to get too much into the Bills here because I feel like that's not a fair thing for Sabres fans. And just because I'm just because I'm pie in the bond, he says, I mean, I should be going into this. But I just feel like I don't want to tell people to keep being into the Sabres because <laughs> Because it seems like it's 100% not worth it. <laughs> it's, it's sort of being a Bills fan. And I will say that there was so much that I, I can't tell if it's that I stuck around or if I would have just had as, as much fun anyway. Mm-hmm. Just being like, I remember Sean Williams. I remember Jonathan DiGiorgio. I remember George Wilson. I remember uh, when Peerless Price was uh, a shit, shit-ass rookie. all that All that stuff. Did I like that, or was I just like there because I want to be a Bills fan? Maybe, maybe it all mattered. Maybe it all mattered when we beat the Broncos and we clin- clinched the a playoff spot. Maybe it all mattered when we beat the Colts. Maybe it all mattered when Taron Johnson had a pick six and we won in the second round. Maybe it all mattered. Maybe that all came together for me. I don't know.
1: So you're maybe saying it's maybe- like character building?
2: Maybe it was. Yeah. I can't say it wasn't because I actually had I actually did that. I actually was a fan from 99. I actually watched 98% of games through 99 to the to the end of the playoff show. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that it's not a good idea to keep paying attention to the Sabres. But I kind of feel like right now, after watching the Bonnies win the championship this afternoon, that it just, it just kind of worked to stick around teams that, uh, big-time losers. You don't have to watch every game. My advice is you don't watch every game. Just stick around around the periphery. Pay attention to what's going on. Be upset when it's time to be upset. Stay connected when you can. And then when it's time to win, it's your moment.
1: Yeah. Don't let it go. I get that. I like that. I mean, I think that's definitely fair, you know, because it kind of allows you to withstand the the deep deep lows that we've experienced but with that being said though to your point like when the payoff hits it really really hits and i always think back to i saw it making the rounds uh this week on twitter thankfully i was very fortunate to be there because it's probably maybe the best moment of the franchise for the past like five years but when they had beaten san jose in overtime uh in the midst of the 10 game win streak i was at that game and the just like pure feeling of like elation where you are at a live sporting event and you are so attached and glued to it that just you're you're you just like let go of your consciousness and you are just totally and utterly in that moment and when the big moment happens and you're on the winning end of it just like the euphoria that just takes over is just thinking about it. I mean, like, again, it just goes back to feeling like how it felt being in the building during like the 2007 or the 2006 playoffs, you know, yeah, that's always going to be our benchmark. And I think that the past 15 plus years have been just trying to get back to that feeling.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's more where like the recent trend of, Oh, if your team doesn't win, you should just go cheer for somebody else. Like, I don't buy into that. I think you have to enjoy, and I know that sounds like the, the, the total wrong word to use here, but almost enjoy those moments of futility because that's the payoff as being a sports fan is just, you know, you go through these moments of just like, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to this. I don't know if we're ever going to be good again. I don't know if we're ever going to make the right choice at coach, GM, president, players, what whatnot. But then when it does happen and you see it, because obviously all of us are, are fans of Different teams and different sports and, and whatnot. We're not solely tied into the Sabers. That you see it happen, and it's like okay, it can it can happen. It is you know believable and what and whatnot. You're not just kind of you know grasping at straws. So I think when you do buy into that, it, it is going to be that much greater for when they do you know pay it off and 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 whatnot. I understand it's incredibly difficult to to get through that right now, but this whole idea of like oh I would just stop cheering for the Sabers and I would go cheer for you know the Rangers, the Islanders, or, or, or insert whomever, um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that should be the thing. I, I think, I don't know, man, I, I'm 31 years old. I've lived in Buffalo my entire life. Buying into sports futility is part of who I am as a human <laughs> yeah. being. So I think that's, I think that's just part of it. You just have to be along for that ride so that even when you get the slightest little bit of of success like like the bills making in 2016 sneaking in as a wild card like the bonnie's you know you know clutching to try to get an a10s title spot and then getting it that's what makes it so much more satisfying if we got it all the time we'd be a completely different fan base like i enjoy you know like today is, is a perfect example and i understand that your listener base is not bonnie's fans or whatever Um, You know, but we were up 15 points in the game and everybody felt like we were down 30. That's the type of sports fandom that I like to be around of everybody just immediately feeling like the worst possible thing is going to happen. And then greatness happens. And that makes it so much more fulfilling. And I feel like that's where the Sabres are right now, where it's like nothing seems to be going right. And I totally understand that. And maybe you want to get rid of the coach, get rid of the GM, maybe trade the best player out if you feel like you can get a deal. I know that's obviously a hugely uh, contentious point, but finding what can work for them, seeing where they can go from here. And then like you said, you know, I was in high school when that happened, as far as the the, the Breer jury years of getting back to that moment where fucking everybody was talking about that. You could look up those clips, you see the, the, you know, the, the, the reaction in the building and you're just like, wait, that's the same arena. That's the same city. That's the same fan base because it seems so foreign to you, but you know, you can get back to it. And, and, and we've seen it over the last couple of years, even the little, you know, bleak winning streaks that we got when we started the season, everybody was willing to buy in. You do not have to do a ton to get this fan base to solely buy in on a team. So I think it's just finding the, the, the right crop of guys, the right coach, the right GM to kind of get to what the Bills had, what the Bonneys had, what, what the UB has had, a lot of local teams as far as getting some success and, and, you know, kind of paying it back to the fan base.
1: I think as we're talking about, like, the payoffs and everything, Taylor, we better – this payoff with the Sabers better be damn good for us we've, invet- I, we've invested so much these past couple of years i i agree i i feel like <laughs> so many nights of hate watching <laughs> yeah i i feel like that
2: this specifically like we have to we have to make the playoffs because it's you know paid off so much i feel like whoever like paid like whoever tried to do a bills podcast in 2015 like congrats because it paid off real quick but like honestly like no jokes about the bills obviously like that paid off unbelievably uh, for us, for us people who were born in the the early to mid nineties, people that were born in the midst of the Super Bowl era.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I remember ninety nine. Most people don't. It didn't go well. The early the early two thousands, it was shit, and then it was all of a sudden it was bad. So I do remember an era where Bills fans were like the, the like Bills the Bills were good and Bills fans were negative about the Bills. I remember that. It mm. happened. And then I, I also remember a time when the Sabres are good. Who didn't? The Sabres are good our entire childhood until, until bankruptcy. But I guess, but I want to really, really get out of here. And I, want to, I really want to stress because all that shit happened. We all know that now. We all know what happened with the Sabres. We don't have to know the Bills. Just as a quick reminder, what the bodies do they were a tournament team in the early 2000s. Bad shit happened. As in bad shit, I mean cheating. All that stuff happens. So I, when I'm a freshman in 2000, it was a literal miracle that they made the tournament in 2012. They made the tournament in a crazy run. We had a lot of fun, but I don't expect anyone to remember that. Or there's nothing to build on there. It was just it was just a great weekend. Mm-hmm. And then they are another tournament team by 2016. They get stopped. So tough time for everyone who graduated in Brendan's year of college. Because it was, it was a really tough time for them. We'll remember that forever. And then 2018, they got good enough to make the tournament again at large. And I was like, man, when that happened, I thought, this would be the last time this ever happens. So I decided not to get mad about the fact that they were, uh, you know, playing game against UCLA. They won. They beat UCLA. We talked all about it in the Rick's Reviews back in the day. So, this the next year they almost made it again, which is insane. Like they they lost the the A10 championship game off one shot, and you year they started the year four and ten. So it was that was insane. So I guess what I'm saying here is, you don't have to wait for a deadly pandemic <laughs> to keep life in order, but if you're an A10 champion, you might you might just want to wait around, and eventually. You'll go from like some fifth place team that finished your all shitty A 10 champion. If you're oh working that that bit of advice, I just have to say this. Wherever you went to college, it wasn't cool. <laughs> Unless it was St. Bonaventure. I mean, you might have gone somewhere cool
1: oh my god but
2: but but was it though But
1: was it though because it wasn't st bonaventure
2: that's right did wow. when you were walking down a nice path to the academic building your school you ever toss your book in the air and oh shoot oh shoot and you smacked it away no you ever you love like i'm gonna throw this piece of garbage but i can't find any any garbage cans did don waltz ever take it from you and be like i got this for you and just shoot in the garbage from like 150 feet away <laughs> never did Jaron Holmes ever walk up to be like, hey, man, I've I got to interview you for a school project? Never. You know why? Because you went to a, either a school that didn't have that level of basketball player or that school that didn't have that level of interstudent
1: communication. Wow. Well, that's just life. I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm learning so much. Yeah.
0: But also, to bring this back to the Sabres since this is what your guys' whole thing is about. Wait, who?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Never heard of them. The, uh, the, this the, is the one... Strokes and Bonnie's podcast. <laughs> the, the, the one thing with Mark Schmidt, the head coach of the Bonnie's, even in the bad years, you were able to see roster building and you were able to see recruitment and you were mm. able to see players come in that you were optimistic about, that you said, okay, give them a couple of years and, okay, something can happen here. And honestly, and, and obviously you, you, both of you guys know this better than I do, I don't know if there has been, you know, a Sabres coach in the modern era, if you take it past rough, that's really instilled that in the fan base where you say, okay, this is a guy that can do quality roster building. This is a guy that we feel like can take talent that we've drafted or acquired and turn it into something. And I think that's, I think that's honestly what you're searching for. And, And I understand college basketball, the NHL, not the same thing, but you do need somebody like that. You need somebody that can kind of zero in on talent and say, okay, this is a guy I can take to the next level. This is a guy I can't take to the next level, but we can move this guy for somebody that I think we can take to the next level. I'm just interested in your guys' uh, opinion on that as far as finding that guy for roster building. And if you think that any of the guys they previously had maybe had those qualities and got, and got shot too early.
2: All about the coach. So if Boudreau gets hired, I a hundred percent believe in him uh, to, to take on whoever including Mikhail Gregoranko. Whereas if it's if it's really just Providence's coaches, it's Nate Lehman, I just feel like I'm gonna have to see it to believe it, and I'm just not gonna believe it.
1: It'll be hard to be optimistic about that for sure. I'm I'm with you. I mean, you and I both are very clearly team Bruce. But Chris to your question though, um I don't necessarily think that anybody got an unfair shake you know i think at the time when you go back when murray and bilesma were fired everybody was pretty surprised by that i think everyone kind of anticipate like thought that they would get maybe another year um especially in murray's case i don't, I don't think people were really prepared for for him to be fired i don't necessarily think though that he didn't get a fair shake I think he had the right idea with a lot of things but he just had really poor execution and outside of the O'Reilly trade pretty much like after that had happened he really didn't do anything that inspired a lot of confidence their drafting was terrible the drafting has been consistently terrible and I think that's the thing is that the reason I don't feel like anybody can fall into that category is because when you look back on their past drafts there's no draft that I could look back at and be like, wow, that's a really good draft. Like they did well for themselves there. They've all been bad. Maybe you get a guy, two guys, if you're lucky, but otherwise they've been pitiful with it. So from a front office perspective, I really don't feel that way. I think the other thing too, is that the Sabres, historically speaking, have been notorious for doing a bad job of handling like star players. Um, Pretty much. If you look back from like the, 90s up until now they really have kind of botched at least every like star player that they've had at least at some point or another another they've there's been some controversy surrounding them that in most cases has led to their eventual departure um part of that also goes into coaching and stuff i mean you know lindy i think is is excluded from this conversation as a whole um but even from like the coaching perspective i really don't i mean Bilesma. He, he clashed with the young guys. He really wasn't the coach that they needed at the time for the way that their roster was constructed. Um, Housley. I mean, the issues there go without saying, we knew pretty early on that he was not good enough and that he had a lot of flaws when it came to execution and what he really was even trying to like accomplish on the ice in a constructive way. And I mean, Botterill goes without saying Botterill has probably done more damage to the Sabres than any person in a front office role has, has done maybe ever. I don't know. (laughs) He, he's, he was just horrible with what he did. Um, So So, yeah, I don't really think so uh, that there has been anybody that hasn't gotten a fair shake. I'd love it for us to kind of luck into uh, Dean McDermott situation, how the bills have, but if, if Boudreaux happens, I'll feel confident about them. If it's, if it's Lehman, I'm not, it's, I'm, I'm with Taylor where it's going to be like a wait
0: and see kind of thing.
1: Boudreaux though, right yeah. off the
0: bat, I would think that he'd be able yeah, to that, That's shit. what I was going to say. Do you feel like Boudreaux is the guy that could get the recruitment and player development right to, you know, at least, and again, like I said, like not getting this roster immediately to the playoffs, but where you could at least see, like, because I think so much watching Sabres teams, you're looking at the coach and saying, I'm not seeing any sort of progress here one way or the other. And I, it's just like, and I, and it's funny because you obviously we've gone through this a bunch of times. So it's just like, Oh, okay. Am I just, okay. Bruce Baudreau gets fired. And I'm just, am I just waiting for my group chat to blow up of like, when do we get rid of this guy? Or do you feel like he's actually somebody that can come in there, write the ship to a degree for them. And at least, you know, maybe he's not the guy Five ten years down the line, but he's at least someone who can can kind of set that foundation to get them at least to, <laughs> at least a card yeah. stop flipping over constantly and 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 get some good players in and 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 start to build something.
2: I I also think that uh, Boudreau was the guy that could walk in and make them better with the talent that they have because they don't have bad talent right now mm. uh, during the season. That what can you say? The season's ongoing and it's a it's an awful one, but. I Think most people walked into the season thinking, like, this team isn't that bad, and they were right, talent wise. So, going into the next season, it's also a question, like, you know, stalls not gonna be here, is, is Hall gonna be here? Who knows? That's right,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I do think he is. We talked about this last week, like, this team or last episode. This team, right now, the Sabres are probably no matter what not good enough to be a playoff team however they are what's that
2: how dare you
1: well they're top heavy enough though that they absolutely should not be the worst team in the nhl and i think that if bruce boudreau was the coach right now there's a zero percent chance that they would be in last place so i do think what's that of course yeah so i that's the thing like i i think if you were to fire ralph kruger right now and bring in Bruce Boudreaux, I think that the results the rest of the season would be drastically different, even though you would have the the same roster. I think it's a little bit different now that now we're probably not going to have Eichel for the rest of the year. Um, And that because of that, that's going to affect how they approach the trade deadline. But I mean, yeah, I, I think when you, again, look at the makeup of the roster right now, um they are absolutely even though their goaltending sucks they were top heavy enough that they should have been far far better than what they were at least a 500 team a little bit over 500 not this atrocity so when you look at a guy like boudreau you know we had talked i mentioned this last episode but like he's got the experience of of coaching pretty much like every Kind of player like he coached Ovechkin in Washington. He had a ton of success in Anaheim when he had Ryan Getzlab and Corey Perry yep. were, were yep. tearing it up Cole in the mid- Yeah. <clears throat> and then most recently, you know, he had he found success with Minnesota as well. Um so to me, I mean he's he's exactly what you want because the the rest of the organization, you have again a rookie GM, first time GM who has no assistant general managers on his side for him to lead on. The rest of the front office is really not built out very well. There's pretty much no analytics department. And then you have owners who don't understand the sport, who are too involved with the decision-making process. So you need a guy like him who has that experience, that winning pedigree to come in and instill the culture of what you're talking about here, how guys handle themselves on a day-to-day you know, like how to turn younger guys into real leaders. And that's not to be like a crack on Jack or anything like that. Cause I know a lot of people like to like try and point that out, but like, I think having a guy like Boudreaux in here will make Jack a better leader. It'll make Sam Reinhardt a better leader. It'll make you, you know, even like the older guys, it'll make them better as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, there's not a doubt in my mind that this is if they had boudreaux at the start of the season it would be completely different than what we're seeing right now
2: all right well brennan i agree with you but are you ready are you ready to give your recommendation for this week
1: i am i am um you know what my recommendation is the new abnormal the strokes album that just won a goddamn grammy that is the best Great album. I have a tattoo of a uh, lyric from one of the songs on the album, so go listen to it, because the Strokes are fucking great, and they are Grammy winners now. What is your recommendation?
0: Chris, what do you think? I'll let you go first. I have my recommendation.
1: Okay.
2: Or right. My serious recommendation is Gremlins 2, <laughs> which I think is one of the great sequels. The only time... That a sequel has been made as absurd as the idea of sequels are. You would say it's an 80 sequel, but you know what? Two things. It is made in 1992. and two, it is a sequel about Donald Trump. You might have heard of the guy. He ended up being president someday. Never heard of him. Well, he did. <laughs> and also, the sequel was uh, perfect. Perfect parody of sequels but also being a perfect sequel who can do that just the gremlins and just joe the dante. gremlins joe dante great also gremlin uh sorry 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 gizmo the gremlin his name is absolute king
1: king shit all around
2: he's a little guy you know always says mogwai and shit mm-hmm. great guy though you ever need a guy to help you out with something gizmo
0: gizmo is where it's at
2: mm-hmm. all
1: yeah,
0: right he's I like that. So my recommendation is, and not that we're going to condone gambling on the podcast, <laughs> but if you do uh partake in that and do an NCAA. We do DraftKings is a sponsor. Oh well, there you go. We do. Yeah. <laughs> I would say to uh take our St. Bonaventure Bonnies to go to the final four. Uh we watched them today, an incredible effort. Uh it's it's a team that's just loaded with junior junior talent. That are going to be seniors. They're only going to get better. Oshuno Shunier, Jalen Attaway, Dominic Welch, Jaron Holmes, Kyle Lofton. Those are the five names that you should know. Chris, if you're Brown. looking for. <laughs> certainly not me. My my athletic career passed me a long time ago. But if you're looking for five guys to buy into, that would be it. The St. Bonaventure Bonnies, unlike a lot of the Buffalo sports teams that we follow, they will not let you down. Including UB. <laughs> <laughs> the NCAA <laughs> tournament, enjoy them. Enjoy the run that they're going to go UB. on <laughs> and, and pick them to go far. If you're doing your work bracket, if you do a bracket with your family, whatever it is, pick the bodies.
1: All right. I like it. Chris, back to you now.
0: Who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Well, I would have to go with a, a person that's close to me and I would have to go with Chris Gratton only because the name was very, very similar to mine. So I would have to go with him. I know that's a, that's a super one for, for you guys. Honestly, I go to the home opener every single year for the Sabres. And uh, I go with three of my friends that I went to high school with, and we always try to pick out the most random jersey that we can possibly find. We did find Chris Grattan one year. We also found Locksal Verada. We also oh, found Sanderson. We this found the Vacqua Verada podcast <laughs> specifically. So so I am going to uh, to go with uh Chris Grattan. The man who netted
1: us Danny Briere. I love it. Great yeah, choice. Yeah. Great choice. Taylor, who do you got? Phil Veroni. Phil Veroni. All right. I'm going to go with Darren Pupa.
2: Well, that's a great choice, Brendan. The Thank you. You remember that we saw Phil Veroni score in person?
1: We did. Who is that against? The Flyers or? Oh, Capitals.
2: Capitals. The
1: Capitals
2: won the President's Trophy. We saw the Sabres beat them in Buffalo, and Phil Veroni sniped one over Kudnetsov and then uh, over, uh, what's his name, shoulder, Holpe.
1: Wow. Look at that. Phil Veroni. Remember when?
2: Yeah, remember when that happened? (laughs) No one else does, so you better.
1: (laughs) I do. I do. Very vividly. I'll never forget it. It was a beautiful date night for us. (laughs) Well, any last thoughts there, guys? Go Bonnie's indeed. All right, everybody. Well, this has again, been an episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and Buffalo fanatics hockey podcast network, 31 teams, 31 shows. Make sure you're checking them all out and keeping up with the latest news surrounding all things NHL on the hockey podcast network. And also make sure you are following and checking out Buffalo fanatics uh, online to uh, check out their website, the Buffalo and all of their podcasts, a part of their network as well. Bills are making some big re-signing moves. Just are bringing back uh, Matt Milano, Feliciano got brought back, a bunch of restructuring happening with Beans. So a lot of exciting things are happening in Bills land right now, even though the same can't be said for the Sabres, but plenty of great content out there for you to take in about the offseason. And finally, make sure you're checking us out on social media as well. Check out Taylor on Twitter at Nigrelli93. You can find me at Brendan1423. And check out our social channels for the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you're subscribing to Straight Up Sabers on your streaming platform of choice. We'll talk to everybody again on Thursday. Hopefully Ralph Kruger will be fired by then. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been Straight Up Sabers.